Welcome back to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. And since it's Thursday, it's my favorite time of the week because it's time to go artsing around with Andrew Dembina. How are you, Andrew? Hey, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing, Noreen? Yeah, good, thank you. It's nice to speak to you uh, today. Yeah, you not so sunny today, but well, it's not so sunny here in Kowloon Tong. What's it like on the outlying island? I like the way we never address which outlying island, but no, in the no. outlying island that you're at, is it sunny? What's the weather like? It is. I, I, it's funny, though. I mean, it's cloudy, so it's been a mixture. Basically, if you're not seeing sun, it's probably just pops behind a cloud because there's a lot of blue sky around and there must be over in kt your end of the phone it's uh i think it's um yeah it's just the sun keeps uh kind of dodging between all of the clouds that are up there and it's beautiful weather best yeah. time of the year exactly exactly yeah. nice and cool well what have you got for our listeners this afternoon in terms of happenings of the art world well it's um international things today and the first thing I wanted to talk about was a very interesting report in the Financial Times uh, within the last week about a new gallery alliance, fine art galleries, forming to unite with um, dealers and auction houses and galleries to come together to make a new body because it's been so difficult to operate during these two years. You know, we uh, inevitably, a lot of what we've been talking about in the arts is things that have been online or how people can plan for exhibitions, not knowing if they're going to happen or not. Um, this this new body, which is uh, not, it's, it's in the planning stages, it's just about to launch, is going to try to make it easier for galleries to know what each other are doing and to support each other and they will it's a collection that started off as a whatsapp group from the founder who's the uh whose name is vanessa carlos she's also the founder of a london gallery which uh, bears her surname the carlos slash ishikawa gallery not sure on the ishikawa origin and there's a um, she, she has formed through WhatsApp groups with galleries around the world, including some in Asia, to get together and have an organising committee in order to discuss how they can exchange the work of artists, have collaborations for online exhibitions, and to plan for you know the, what the future holds. People are planning exhibitions, especially uh, you know as we've mentioned before, in other parts of the world, um, the uh, galleries are fully open and uh, exhibitions are back to normal. So it's taking the plunge to cross fingers and hope that this remains the case in most of the world, that people can uh, have a, uh, a buzzing uh, art gallery scene and beyond into various forms of the arts. But this particular one, which is called the International Galleries Alliance, is specifically about fine art. And the, it, it wants to attract 300 members who are going to commit with a very tiny uh, fee annually, which is just for admin, £650. It's based in, in the UK. It's about 7,000 Hong Kong dollars mm -hmm. per commercial gallery, which for them is nothing, really, because they, for the exposure that they will get by having projects that they can show each other's artists, whether it's on their own websites or... Um, or if it's performance artists to share live uh, performance art from different parts of the world. So the Vanessa Carlos, the founder, she says that we've come together at, at such an important time 
to lay tracks in what has become an increasingly digital world during the COVID era. And the members who are looking likely to sign up and make it to the first 300 founder gallery members um, are in places I mentioned, Asia, Hong Kong, yes, Tick, India, <laughs> Tick, um, South Africa and Guatemala, as well as uh, um, North America and a lot of Europe. So it's been uh, other, other um, dealers or, or gallerists have also been really enthusiastic about it. Um, uh, another one of the members said that in the last couple of years, there have been so many more initiatives to enable galleries to gain exposure without having huge expenses. That was uh, Lorraine. Um, that was Lorraine Kiang, who's the co-founder of a gallery right here in Hong Kong, the Edward Malang Gallery, which is in Central. And um, she said happily yes to the IGA to discuss how the art business can evolve with collaborations around the world. So it's a very, it's a very good idea. And the London gallerist um, also uh, noted similar, really, that they hope that they can get um, a thousand or more galleries collaborating within about a year. And then they will look to do what we've um, been talking about. Art Basel did it and other art fairs have, have done it, where there will be a collection of however many galleries it ends up being who can have exhibitions I know we've spoken about this and, you know, I think we both have a similar view that a virtual exhibition of uh, art is, is hardly the same as walking into a gallery where you can walk right up to something and see the texture or see some more subtle images that you might not spot if you're looking at it on a small screen, especially the way people look at live things, either on a tablet or phone these days rather than a decent sized desktop monitor i know it's, and you're just uh, trying to zoom in through your phone without, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it's i mean it's it's similar to i suppose how we've become familiar uh, or you know for, for many years now we've just taking photos with our phone rather than uh, and looking at them yeah. on our phone i mean do you do you ever do you ever get any of your photos printed anymore you've got a young family do you ever get any prints some yeah some so we put around the house but yeah i really miss i mean when 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 we were uh, kids just the Mm. anticipation of getting uh, of using a camera and 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 taking the photo and you don't know how the the photo turns out until you actually develop it and sometimes it's a bit wonky sometimes a bit blurry Mm. but that's you know part of the anticipation these days you sort of take a photo with your camera phone and if you don't like it you delete it and then sometimes you just never look at it again yeah. yeah exactly i mean it's um there was an equivalent of that with the old negative films though i don't know if you if, uh, if, if whether, whether you were in hong kong or or when you studied in the uk that um sometimes when you got a batch back and you quite i couldn't agree more with what you were saying it could be five days or a week or whatever till you see them and some of them would come back with stickers on them um, saying the word blurred or out of focus yeah. or something like that. And it's like, yes, we can see that opening the opening the packet of photos. You don't need a sticker to tell you that. But I think it was either the uh, the, the photo developer's way of, uh, yeah. of saying something about it wasn't their fault or something, like a disclaimer. That's with a, so uh, funny. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then sometimes with disposable cameras, you'd probably 
bring it out for one occasion, but you don't end up finish using it, and they use it for another occasion. So when you develop the the, the films, you've got like different different photos from different events. Ah,、oh, those were the yeah, days. That, yeah, definitely. But you know,、um, I mean, with a lot of artworks as well as photography in Hong Kong, I mean, we've touched on this in the past, though. It's, I mean, I, I, you know, I've been here for a couple of years now, and it's,、um, you know, the, the, some of the older photos, it's, it's keeping them dehumidified, isn't it? If you've got packets of photos or even albums, you know, I mean, in a less, in a less humid environment,、um, the pe- people I certainly remember growing up, where we would sometimes rearrange. Snapshots in photo albums, you know the albums with these cellophane pages that、uh, that have got kind of adhesive behind them, and you put photos in there. They wouldn't necessarily stay exactly the same because as you've got more photos developed, you might sort of replace some in an album and think, "Oh, I like this one better than that one." But、um, but I think with the、uh, with the humidity in Hong Kong and in other humid parts of the world, it's、uh, it's not really that friendly for things on paper, is it? To um,、mm. uh, unless unless you really never open your window and always have、um, aircon on all the time, it's、um, you know it doesn't doesn't keep things well, and that that includes of course art on paper as well, which we've spoken about before. You can get this thing called foxing, which is spots on paper, which is basically、um, the effect of uh, mildew uh, forming through the. Wetter and drier times of the year, in the same way that furniture gets affected by、um, by the contracting and expanding of wood at different times of the year, and picture frames. It does affect all kinds of、uh, art, really, unless you live in a sealed unit that never opens a window. But、uh, yeah, back to the、um, the association that I mentioned, the uh, the uh, the new association of galleries, the International Galleries Alliance. Then, and we did hear quotes from people over here. The The founder, one of the founding members,、um, Sadie Coles from、uh, London, said that the IGA has held some pre-establishing、um, uh, sort of summits where they are because they just have this collection of a lot of galleries before they actually launch it properly over Zoom to try and accommodate the needs and requests of the most.、Um, Of the of the most prioritised subjects for discussion, topics for discussion, they're still being debated. They can't even decide this yet.、Um, but environmental issues are up there at the top because one thing that they quite like through virtual viewing of art or videos of people walking through galleries with art either side or around a sculpture, so you can try and get a good sense of something that is meant to be viewed. In its natural gallery environment, as 3D, like a sculpture,、mm. is to、um, is to cut down on the environmental cost, which has been something that's had to be done during COVID, of logistics,、um, because an incredible amount is normally spent by commercial and public galleries for shipping art for a gallery. Something that we haven't really discussed because it's kind of the nuts and bolts of the thing, really. But every time there's been like a couple of the fabulous exhibitions that have been shown in the Museum of Art in Hong Kong, in Chim Sa Choi, for example, the Surrealism exhibition from Paris, the Pompidou Centre in Paris, that is a massive undertaking. There were about a hundred works in that, and some of them were larger than human-sized sculptures,、um, as well as things that were. 
in glass cases that could be walked around and seen from every angle and giant um, oversized paintings that would be many meters across those need to be filling you know uh, containers to to come over and that's not the it, it, this association will be discussing whether that is the way forward for exhibitions or whether things should change a bit like we've heard in other areas um, on our Tuesday conversations about food and drink where people are getting more takeaways are people becoming more accustomed to and quite liking uh, not going to auditoriums to see the arts, not going to galleries to to view arts and being able to do it quite comfortably in their own time on demand from their um, from, from their computers from or the other comfort devices. Of that, yeah. Yeah. Maybe 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 ordering in something that you can't do without people tutting around you or or being kicked out of an auditorium that you could watch a play or go to a gallery or have a walk around a gallery having ordered something from your favourite um, uh, delivery service, um, you know, it'd be chomping away while you're enjoying some art. Could combine um, those, those Food and art, your two passion. A bit of Tuesday yeah. and artsing around. Yeah, so the day, the day for that should be Wednesday to enjoy the combination. It falls between the two, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, the, well, the, 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 the person who is um, um, very active is from uh, from India, whose name is Pratik Raja, the co-founder of uh, a, a gallery, a fine art gallery in Kolkata, says that the IGA is a precursor to something that we might get in the future. She says that she wants to have the ability to for galleries to own the platform themselves, to be able to be in total control through a democratic type of... Um, uh, line of progress that will be decided by all of the galleries and they all want to be on the same um, wavelength as far as how they're going to operate. And this could affect the way that each one of them individually holds exhibitions because it could change their whole roster of how they are exhibiting in order to maybe feature some um, artwork in the physical form or in a virtual form from their other IGA members and Roger describes it as a utopian idea so there's a lot of enthusiasm for this and it's something positive to have come to come out of a, a way of uh, being restricted in showing art in a conventional way right mm. so that's the uh, that's that's that uh, report and in something completely different I sent you some quite stunning ah, pictures yes, you did from uh, yeah it's, it's it's from a new exhibition that just launched last Thursday um, so, uh, do you want to do you want to describe what you what you can see, and we'll try, and then you can try and work out what it's all about, then, Noreen. Sure, Andrew. I always <laughs> love it when you send me art pictures without any captions, unlabeled, always. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, the first one kind of looks like a, a transparent pyramid in the desert, um, mm -hmm. and then the second one is sort of like a, a sandy desert place and you see part of a camel um a part of a camel and a giant hand that hand is almost as big as the camel holding up a portrait of of a black and white sort of landscape with some rocks mm. and then the the, the fourth uh, so the third one is sort of again a pyramid in the background a desert um landscape and it's got like a half an egg shaped dome sticking out of the ground 
Um, and then the, the, the last one uh, is a bit unique. I had to sort of zoom in. Again, it's sort of like a, a triangular shape, but if you zoom in a bit closer, you realize it's two hands kind of in a praying position. But but the hands aren't completely closed. The palms aren't completely touching. They're sort of a, a bit further apart. But um, it, it's a bit transparent. It's kind of like fishnet fishnet yeah. stocking looking like. I don't know. I'm not Very really... much so. It's a... Uh... That the, the one that uh, you're describing now, Noreen, is uh, is made of steel, oh. and they are they are hollow hands which are, like you say, they're touching together almost in a praying position. But it's only the fingertips that are touching, and they form a triangle between the uh, between each fingertip uh, hand that are touching. And, yes. and through that, in the background, you can see uh, what the point of a pyramid and two pyramids either side of it. Now I'm going to explain. That that sculpture, uh, which is one of many, was by a, uh, a sculptor called Lorenzo Quinn, and the uh, the work is called Together. All of them are made this year specifically to be part of uh, the first ever exhibition in Giza, which is the historical site of the pyramids in Egypt. Um, it, it, it's taken three years to get permission for this exhibition to take place. Uh, it's the first ever, as I say, contemporary or any public outdoor art show to be allowed in this UNESCO protected site. And there were many different authorities that had to be signing off on it all being okay. There was the Egyptian Ministry of Antiquities, the Egyptian Tourism Bureau, and several embassies got involved because the artists who are showing works around there are all from different, are invited and they're, they're from different uh, corners of the world. So it's taken logistics at a time again, as we mentioned just before, where things are slower than normal. And it was planned three years ago, well before anyone had ever heard the word COVID or COVID-19. And amazingly, I feel it's interesting that it has been put on right now. Because, you know, much of the world is still um, not traveling as normally and not able to get around. So it's something interesting that was not um, the easiest to get permission for three years where there was some scratching of heads, arming and ahhing about whether it would be the right thing from mm. UNESCO's, you know, United Nations heritage, heritage. point of view yeah. Yeah, to do to do that there from from the Egyptian um, different bureaus, government bureaus' point of view, whether it was a respectful thing to do. And interestingly, it's not going to draw tourists, really, because people aren't travelling so much these days. And despite the most uh, more recent waves of, of, of tourism um, that, that had been going on around Egypt, those have been in decline sometimes because of certain... Um, uh, sort of well, terrorist or anti-tourist action that have taken place. So maybe what it is at this time where, where COVID is still prevalent is something of an optimistic site, which in the world that we live is bound to be shared a lot by social media and online news reports and, in fact, from the very magazine that I that I saw it, which is called Artnet News, which is an online um, fine arts magazine, which brought this uh, this behind.
behind the scenes peak just before it opened last week. And um, the name of the show is called Forever Is Now. So if the listener would like to look that up, these are quite amazing, beautiful uh, images that artists have, have worked on over the last year or so, um, once it was actually at the stage where artists were commissioned. And the, uh, the pyramids in Egypt are just over 4,500 years old, and they've been, I think, treated very respectfully. The one that we started off describing in a bit more detail that Noreen mentioned, which is um, stainless steel um, on a very large scale, two giant human hands touching each other together, do give a kind of sort of uh, very respectful mm. um, view through to the to three of the pyramids that are around them. And the first image that we uh, that you described, which was um, uh, is actually a, uh, a mirrored pyramid, a very very simple idea. Oh. Yeah, which was basically triangular um, mirrored glass put together to form a pyramid, and they and it, and it blends almost invisibly at its base into the sand because um, uh, you know the sand also is moving and not uh, treated and it's not raked out of the way it really looks like it's become part of the desert and it's reflecting three pyramids in fact four there's a very tiny bit of one in the in a far corner it's reflecting four pyramids in there um, that it, it's it's been curated by a British curator whose name is Simon Watson but it was organized he was commissioned by uh, an Egypt-based um, contemporary art gallery called Art Egypt and that was founded in 2016 by an Egypt-born um, mix of French and Egyptian parentage art consultant called Nadine um, Gaffar and she has got a track record of exhibiting Egyptian-connected um, artwork, um, or actually also in historic sites in Cairo, but, um, you know, other, other temple sites that date back thousands of years as well, that, that try to offer a connection between the past and the present, which is exactly what has happened here out in Giza in the desert where the pyramids are situated. Mm. So it was to... In her words, she says that uh, ancient Egypt is a civilization of a time in its time influenced the whole world, and this exhibition is really a token of appreciation and a sign of hope. So they do look really beautiful. Um, uh, if you want to go and see them, it's called Forever Is Now, as I mentioned, and uh, and and it's really I think when you see the variation of types of work, they're all contemporary without doubt. There was another one that Noreen mentioned which was by an artist called J.R. I don't think that's another one of your regular guests who comes on and talks about whiskey and gin, <laughs> but, but the artist's name is J.R. rather than having his, the, the, his name spelled out. And it was called Greetings from Geezer, and this was one of a black... It almost looks like a black-and-white photo of from the wrist upwards to the hand of, a, of an arm emerging as if by magic out of the sand of the desert, holding what almost looks like a postcard, but is in fact a black and white painting of a pyramid with the top part of the point of the pyramid sort of uh, just elevating and kind of just drifting up into the sky. So there, there's lots of um, very poetic uh, 
uh, images there, if, if, if images can be poetic. I won't describe uh, other ones because I can see that we're getting close yeah. to three o'clock now, Noreen. Exactly. But, uh, Perfect timing, yeah. Andrew. I look forward to more uh, catch-ups with you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andrew Dambina. Bye for now. Bye.